sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners? Will they be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood? I have a dream that one day my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin but by the content of their character. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Watchdog's Bark. On this, the 60th anniversary of the I Have a Dream speech by Dr. Martin Luther King, given on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial, August 28, 1963, 250,000 plus in attendance. This was a monumental speech and a pivotal speech in the history of our country. I honestly wonder what Martin Luther King would feel is going on today, how he would feel about the division. You know, that one of my favorite quotes of his is from that speech, and it says, Let us not seek to satisfy our thirst for freedom by drinking from the cup of bitterness and hatred. I think Dr. King would be a little disappointed in what has gone on in our country today, how we are actually embracing division and hatred. I actually posted this on my Facebook profile. Uh, When you have my full name, which I think is going to happen in a couple of episodes, I have found another job in another industry, and I don't have to worry about not getting work in the industry I've worked in for like 34 years. So I'll let you know all about that in a couple episodes. I want time to get everything prepared for when I reveal what I've been doing for the last 34 years. On my Facebook profile and my Instagram profile, it says this, 60 years ago today, I truly wonder what Dr. King would think of the bitterness and hatred people seem to want to drink so often from today. The principles and policies of division so many want to adhere to. Friends and families being torn apart by differences of opinions. A media that focuses on and promotes propaganda rather than actual news. A DOJ that's been weaponized to punish and silence those who dare to speak out against injustices and a two-tier justice system. An education system that uses division and indoctrination to teach children what to think rather than how to think. Dr. King dreamed of a day where his children would not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. It seems to me we have ventured from that dream lately. I pray civility and compassion will return and all will truly be judged equally. Now, we've come a long way. Have we achieved Dr. King's dream yet? No, because there's still political and monetary gain to be found in division. There's still fame and fortune found in victimhood. There is still power and control found in bitterness and hatred. I truly hope someday no power or gain of any kind may be found in division, only in unity. That's what I have to say in this 60th anniversary of the I Have a Dream speech by Martin Luther King Jr. All right. Also in this episode, of course, I'm going to talk about the mugshot seen around the world. Everybody has seen this mugshot of Donald Trump. And let me tell you, I promise you. This mugshot is going to inspire millions, and it is going to backfire ferociously on the left. 
I'll explain that in more detail. Also, there are some other things you need to be aware of. There are a group of countries called BRICS, B-R-I-C-S, that want to try and get the world away from U.S. currency. Right now, the U.S. currency is the default or reserve currency around the world. That means when any country, any two countries are trading goods, Venezuela is trading with Zimbabwe or uh, Iraq is trading with, um, you know, uh, Mozambique. All these, all these trades happen in U.S. dollars. They don't happen with the currency there. If you are making trades from country to country, the value is determined in U.S. dollars. Well, there's a group of companies that want that to end. They want another country to take control of what is the reserve currency in the world and what would be the superpower of the world, both militarily and economically. And there are those who are trying to make it China to be the one that controls everything. And I've heard so many people with this argument say, oh, well, you know, if China's ahead, that's fine. You know, we'll just be the, we'll just, we'll still be the United States. We'll still be America. We'll just not be the world's superpower and not that. You need to understand how communism works. And China is a communist country. I'll explain more later. Also, one thing I forgot to do last episode, I did in the very beginning mention that Joe Biden used pseudonyms and fake emails to communicate with his son and his son's business partners and business partners around the world without being recognized. Yeah, people don't realize that your IP address still comes through on whatever fake emails you decide to create. So Joe Biden, all of this has been discovered. And also we know that Hunter Biden rode Air Force Two 15 times for business. So Joe Biden says he doesn't have anything to do with his son's business dealings. Never heard and, and never had anything to do with his son or his business partners and their business dealings. Well, then why did you allow him to hitch a ride, so to speak, on Air Force Two to do business in many different countries? And yes, now we have many smoking guns. Not only the testimony of Devin Archer and the two IRS aid, uh, whistleblowers, but now the Senate Judiciary Committee has uncovered bank statements. We now have the smoking guns. And I am not shocked, but disappointed that the media, the legacy media, are still protecting Joe Biden. Oh, and then uh, Joe Biden said his usual uncaring, um, completely tone-deaf comparison of the raging wildfires that destroyed an entire town and hundreds of people. He compares that to a small kitchen fire in his uh, home uh, about 15 years ago. So he says, I don't want to compare, but uh, I, you know, Jill and I know how you feel. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay. And both Alvin Bragg and Fonnie Willis campaigned on the fact that they would get Trump. That's what they campaigned on. Can you say conflict of interest? Oh, and going to back to Maui just for a little bit. Did you know that the members of FEMA aren't really suffering and, and uh, you know, having to sacrifice anything while they're there? I'm going to give you a little detail on that. All right. DNA confirms that Yevgeny Prigozhin, the leader of the Wagner 
mercenary group has been killed in that plane crash. Uh, we don't know for sure if it was a missile, missile strike from a defense uh, system or if an, a bomb was planted, but that plane was destroyed on purpose. And um, it's really interesting to hear what Vladimir Putin said as kind of a memorial. <laughs> and, and he sent condolences, of course, to the family of, of Yevgeny Prigozhin. And then I have to talk about this. I know uh, I've talked about this many times, but we just passed another anniversary. Two years ago on the 26th, we had one of the most asinine, moronic, idiotic, insensitive withdrawals in U.S. history. And I'm talking, of course, about Afghanistan. Where are we two years later? And then the last thing I will cover in this podcast is it really honestly looks like now there is a cultural shift finally starting to happen. With the popularity of songs with like Jason Aldean songs, Try That in a Small Town, Oliver and Anthony song, Richmond from Richmond, and the movie Sound of Freedom, I think we're finally, finally reaching a tipping point where people aren't going to put up with this crap anymore. So that's good news. All right, that and other things that I will cover. Stick around because this is another episode of The Watchdog's Bark. If you have any comments or agree or disagree and want to contribute to a future podcast with information you send me, write me at drew at thewatchdogsbark.com. All right, just real quickly, I'll just uh, add to what I said at the very beginning of the podcast. This is the 60th anniversary of the I Have a Dream speech. And I personally believe that Martin Luther King Jr. would be very disappointed in what is happening in our country. How his dream was that his children wouldn't be judged by the color of their skin, but the content of their character. And look what's happening in our schools now. CRT divides children by colors of skin. Gender theory divides children by their gender or chosen gender. We have gotten to a point where division is profitable. And those that are trying to divide us are profiting from that division. Always keep that in mind. So no, I don't think we have accomplished Dr. King's vision when he talked about the dream he had. I believe we're going away from it. I believe over the last couple of decades, there are people that are purposefully dividing us in order to conquer us. All right, what is BRICS? B-R-I-C-S. First of all, the acronym stands for Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa. And they just held their 15th Heads of State Government Summit in Johannesburg. And these group of countries want the world to get away from the U.S. currency as the reserve currency. And again, as I, I explained, the reserve currency means all transactions between countries are calculated in U.S. dollars, not in their local currency. Because the U.S. dollar has been, for decades, the most dependable currency in the world. But now we're printing money like idiots, and we're spending money like drunken sailors. And if that continues, the credit rating of the U.S. will continue to be downgraded until the point where another country will emerge as the reserve currency because it is the most dependable and strong currency. Many people are trying to say that China should be that reserve currency. The yuan should be the new world currency. 
And many people are saying China should be the only superpower in the world and should be the top of all countries in the world. Let me explain to you what would happen if that happens. Number one, the U.S. economy would almost completely collapse. And you think we're in trouble right now. You haven't seen anything yet. And also, if China takes over control as the world superpower, the Chinese government are communists. I explained before, and maybe I'll have to explain it again. Communists only want two things. Power and control, That's those are combined, okay? Control, and that which they cannot control, they will destroy. That is what communists do. They either seek to control, and whatever they can't control, they destroy. So let's say that China becomes the world superpower, and the yuan becomes the world currency. Everybody's, uh, everybody that I talk to that doesn't understand how world politics works will say, oh, well, that's no big deal. America is just going to become another, you know, America will still be America. We'll still live normally. It's just China will be ahead. That's fine. China will do everything. China will go protect all the other countries and China will be the world's policeman. No, China's a communist country. They will conquer or destroy, period. If China takes control, they will go to war with all the countries they want to control. And the United States right now is weaker than it has been in a very long time because we are trying to push DEI in military rather than teaching them how to be the most effective and lethal soldiers in the world. We're now teaching them that it's important to use the proper pronouns and to uh, allow transgender women to be in women's barracks and allow uh, the U.S. taxpayer to pay all the money it's necessary for transitioning. People join the military and then they decide that they want to be another gender. And so the U.S. taxpayer has to start paying for their gender therapy, their hormones, their puberty blockers, and their sex transition surgery, or many people refer to it as body mutilation. I would go along with that last one, honestly. So, not, I, I got a little sidetracked, but you, gotta, you don't understand. If China takes over, they will try and conquer the world. They will try and use that advantage. They will, for many years, China devalued their currency to try and hurt the rest of the world. If they get control and become the reserve currency around the world, a lot of countries are going to submit almost instantly to their rule. And then we will all just be subsidiaries of China. We will all just be territories of the new China. That's what's going to happen. If we allow China to have that control, that's what will happen. Because the example I used before, and I need to explain this again, if you have 100 islands, okay, and you conquered 99 of them, a normal, compassionate person with a soul would look at that and say, okay, we, we will be okay with 99 islands. They can have the one to live on. We, we will all, you know, work and develop and, and grow these other 99 islands and let them have, you know, we don't want to destroy them completely. So we'll let them have that last island. No, that is not how communists think. Communists will have a bloodlust desire 
to have control over that last island. It is a zealot. It is a zealotry kind of religious view of the world. Communism is. And that's what, what will happen. They will lust. They will have a bloodlust to take over the world because that's how communists are. They either conquer or destroy anything they can't conquer, period. You need to think about that very seriously. Those people that say, oh, well, let's let China take over for a while. You know, they can be the world superpower. No, we can never, ever, ever allow that to happen. I mean, there's already things happening in our country that I'm worried about that are pushing us towards China and the surveillance state. Uh, we're getting closer and closer to those central bank digital currency, and that worries me. You know, I'm starting to uh, put aside money in currency and, and buying precious metals and different things like that that you need to do to hedge your finances in case everything goes to a digital currency only. I think we're still a little ways away because enough people are aware and resistant to that. But we are definitely, there's, there are people pushing hard for this central bank digital currency. And for those who did not listen to the other podcast, when I talked about central bank digital currency, that is a programmable currency. And you hear about these 15-minute or smart cities, right, where they want to house these people. Well, that programmable currency will only work inside those parameters will only work 15 minutes from your home. You will not be able to buy anything outside of those parameters because that, pro that, that currency will be programmable. You will also not be able to buy certain things with your money, like guns. They won't allow your digital currency, programmed digital currency, to be allowed to buy guns. They won't allow you to spend that currency after a certain time. If, if they have, um, you know, martial law in some cities where they have a curfew, your currency won't work after that curfew. They can program your currency, what it's worth too, depending on your social credit score. And yes, we are going towards that. We are going on a speeding train towards a surveillance state and a country that's going to have social credit scores like China. And that means if you are doing like I'm doing and you're talking about the deep state and the things that they don't want the public to know about, they can program my bank account to have less money in it than I think I have in it based on how obedient I am to the government. It sounds scary and it should sound scary because that's what's happening if we don't stop this freight train. And honestly, I know this is going to probably upset a lot of people and a lot of people are going to roll your eyes. I think the only person that can undo all of this now is Donald Trump. He knows all that's going on in the deep state and in Washington, D.C. He was taken aside and, and taken advantage of because of his naivety when he first started, because he came from a, he was an outsider. He came from the business world. And, but he learned quickly. He's a very intelligent dude, and he learned quickly how everything worked in Washington. And he trusted some wrong people, but I guarantee he won't make that mistake again. And he is the only one that can stand up to the onslaught that is happening to try and turn this country into a Marxist, communist country. Yes, I do believe that is actually happening. So think about that. All right. I have to make a comment about this because it's the top of the news everywhere now. 
the mugshot seen round the world. <laughs> the left has been so anxious and desperate for this mugshot. Now that it's been released, they are literally wetting themselves with excitement. But there are some that are recognizing the power this picture is going to have. Donald Trump did not smile in the mugshot. He did not look weak. He did not look afraid. He did not look ashamed. He looked resolute and determined. And yes, a little pissed, as he should. And I promise you this, my friends on the left, and I do have many uh, friends on the left, this mugshot will destroy your party. I believe that. I believe that Donald Trump is now going to win the election, hopefully by a landslide in a way that no one can dispute. Because unless it is a complete landslide, the left is going to say it was rigged and question the election and call Donald Trump an illegitimate president again. I played that clips, those clips last podcast or the last episode of all the times that 2016 election was denied by the left, and none of them were punished for it. But here we are. We have the mugshot, and I promise you that mugshot is going to undo what they really want to do and backfire tremendously. Mark my words. All righty then. We now know that Joe Biden used pseudonyms in many emails and created fake email accounts. Three, to be exact, the one he used most prominently was the email of Robert L. Peters. And every time Joe Biden wrote to the people in Ukraine, the, the businessmen that he worked with and the legislators in Ukraine and the president of Ukraine, and the, um, but every time he wrote to someone in Ukraine about U.S. policy, he wrote under the pseudonym Robert L. Peters, and he cc'd Hunter Biden in every email. Hey, Joe, if you're going to write an anonymous email, it's probably best you don't cc your own son. <laughs> Joe Biden has never been very intelligent. He's never been a very intelligent senator. You can ask almost any senator. Some senators respected him. He had been in the Senate for a very long time, but he'd never had he was never that intelligent. You know how you can tell someone's not intelligent? They, seem, they, they say things like this. I probably have a much higher IQ than you do, I suspect. I went to law school on a full academic scholarship, the only one in my, in my class uh, to have a full academic scholarship. In the first year in law school, I decided I didn't want to be in law school and ended up in the bottom two-thirds of my class and then decided I wanted to stay, went back to law school, and in fact ended up in the top half of my class. I won the international moot court competition. I was the outstanding student in the political science department at the end of my year. I graduated with three degrees from undergraduate school and 165 credits, only need 123 credits, and I'd be delighted to sit down and compare my IQ to yours if you'd like, Frank. You see, every single thing he said was a lie. Joe Biden didn't graduate the top of his class. He, he graduated 76 out of 84. Joe Biden didn't attend on a full scholarship. He attended on a half scholarship. Joe Biden did not graduate with three degrees. He graduated with one. So you see, when someone challenges you to an IQ test, you can pretty much guarantee they're the ones with the lower IQ. 
And Joe Biden's always had that low IQ and has not been very smart. Uh, he's gotten where he is because how, of how long he got the people in Delaware to keep voting him into the Senate. And he was part of the Senate Judiciary Committee for a long time and learned all of the ins and outs and what he could get away with later on in his political career. Both Devin Archer and Eric Schwerwin, uh, he was the money man, uh, and they're both business partners of Hunter, they both testified that Joe used pseudonyms when using business emails. And then it has been discovered recently that a person in the DOJ, his name is Alexander Mackler, he was an insider in the DOJ, and he notified the Bidens through alias emails of investigations into Hunter. There's a phone call that happened after Joe Biden read an article about Hunter Biden in China, and he was assuring him that everything's okay. He, he thinks uh, that, that everything's going to be fine. Listen to this. Hey, Powell's dad. It's 815 um, on uh, Wednesday night. We had a chance to give me a call. Nothing, nothing urgent. Just want to talk to you. I thought the article released had been on online. It's going to be printed tomorrow in time. It was good. I think you're clear. And uh, anyway, um, if you get a chance, give me a call. I love you. In the clear for what, Joe Biden? What, what do you mean, Hunter Biden's in the clear? That the article's good and you don't have anything to worry about. Joe Biden has lied so many times about not having anything to do with his son's business dealings. Now we know he's basically in the thick of it all. Okay, and now we'll stick with Biden just for a little longer here. You have to hear the absurd comparison that Joe Biden made when trying to console the people of Maui after they've lost everything in these wildfires. Listen to this. I don't want to compare difficulties, but we have a little sense, Jill and I, what it's like to lose a home. Years ago, now 15 years ago, I was in Washington doing Meet the Press. It was a sunny Sunday. And lightning struck at home on a little lake that's outside of our home, not a lake, a big pond, and hit a wire and came up underneath our home into the heating ducts, the air conditioning duct. To make a long story short, I almost lost my wife, my 67 Corvette, <laughs> and my cat. Do you notice how everything has to be about Joe Biden and that their pain is just as deep as yours? Their suffering is just as deep as yours. Their loss was just as deep as yours. He did start by saying, uh, uh, I don't want to compare, but, uh, but it's the but that negates the I don't want to compare. When you say but, that supersedes everything you said before it. That means you focus on what's after the word but. And he went on to say, but uh, we, the lightning struck outside and it went up a wire up to our, our uh, right under our, our air, con our heating, our air conditioned duct. And uh, uh, the fireman on that case said it was a small kitchen fire and it was put out within 20 minutes. And poor Joe and Jill had to be out of that house for a year 
oh, it's so good that they have two or three other houses to go live in, isn't it? Yeah, Joe, you really understand what those poor people in Maui have gone through. Oh, and just a quick side note, don't worry about the uh, members of FEMA. You know, everybody was, I'm sure, just thinking, oh, those poor people in the the Emergency Management Association are, are just, I'm sure they're probably having trouble finding housing. And they're probably sleeping on cots and, you know, in, in school cafeteria. No, no, uh-uh. Members of FEMA are staying in luxury hotels on Maui. Not in Days Inn or motels. No, no. These are $500 to $1,000 a night hotels in Maui. All paid for by the U.S. tax dollars. Yeah, they're really suffering. They're, they're really trying to uh, do the best they can and, and, and not luxuriate in probably daily spa appointments. All of these things, like I said, oh, and raiding the minibar and, you know, probably ordering food from room service. All these things, you know, that they, they deserve because they're there working so hard. Yeah, and they, they, they haven't lost anything. They're there to help other people recover, yet they're living in luxury hotel rooms. Does that sound par for the course for this administration, honestly? And then I promise, this is the last thing about the Bidens or the Maui fires. New evidence now shows that Hunter Biden used Air Force Two 15 times for business trips with his father. So now when his father says, I don't know anything about my son's business. I never discuss a business with my son. That is complete lie. Joe Biden can no longer say he does not know anything about his son's business dealings, period. End of statement. Okay, let's venture south to our border wall. We now know that the Biden administration sent people down to the southern wall to cut holes in the wall, supposedly so antelope can migrate easily back and through, back and forth through those holes. We all know that's not what it's for. It is to try and destroy Donald Trump's wall. In places where the wall was actually working, they're cutting holes in the fence so it doesn't work anymore. And the traffickers, cartel members, can use these holes in the wall to bring in even more illegal immigrants. This has to stop. As I said in my last podcast, the only way this stops is if we stop immigration cold for one whole year. Shut down everything. And I mean everything. Legal, illegal, visas, work visas, all of it stops for an entire year until we get this crap under control. We've been trying to do comprehensive immigration reform for decades. The problem is we're not enforcing the laws that are on the books. The laws on the books right now says if you want to come into this country, you must apply in your own country and come in through legal means. If you come in through illegal means, we have the right to deport you or detain you. These laws are not being followed. Our Border Patrol agents are doing nothing but processing applications for asylum seekers now. Like I said in my last podcast, one out of six are still on the border. The rest are processing applications for asylum. 
They're not able to enforce the border laws and border rules at all. And my friends, this is on purpose. Okay, now, riddle me this. Both Alvin Bragg and Fonnie Willis have campaigned on the fact that they would get Trump. They actually both campaigned on that and were elected because they said they would get Trump. Isn't that called a conflict of interest? Wouldn't that be, I don't know, ethically wrong, morally wrong? If that is the sole purpose for you running for office, that you would get one individual and prevent him from running for office and putting him in prison, that is a conflict of interest. So all of these trials and all of these charges should be moved to different venues and with different prosecuting attorneys. Because these two, especially Fonnie Willis and Alvin Bragg, are compromised. And I would definitely say Jack Smith is compromised too because he hates Donald Trump. Has said that many times, his social media, before he was hired as this special counsel investigator. He put down Trump all the time. And like I said, they brought him in from The Hague. That's where they process and charge war criminals from around the world. That is who Joe Biden chose as the special counsel against Donald Trump. Yeah, no bias here at all. No conflict of interest at all. No, uh-uh. nope, nope. All right. DNA evidence has shown now that one of the people that died in that airplane crash going from Moscow to St. Petersburg, which is like a 45 minute flight, just to let you know, that's very, a very well uh, what do you call it? Walk or well-flown path uh, between those two cities. And it was just a routine flight going back and forth. And the wing fell off the plane. Cal, how did that happen? And then the plane just tumbled down out of the sky in a puff of smoke with a trail of smoke and nobody survived. There were 10 people on board. Oh, and by the way, it looks like uh, Vladimir Putin got a twofer. Uh, One of the generals he disliked and has discredited many times was also on the flight with Yevgeny Prigozhin. And and of course, Vladimir Putin came out with a public statement, a very solemn public statement saying, this was a person with a complicated fate. He made some serious mistakes in life, but he also achieved necessary results. Well, that was very heartfelt, don't you think? And do you like how he referred to him in in the past tense? So he knew Prigozhin was dead even before this DNA evidence came through. Prigozhin, by the way, he started running hot dog stands. And he rose to become one of the most powerful men in Russia, serving as a public face of the Wagner, 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 I don't know how you want to pronounce it. Uh, I say Wagner. The Wagner group that are mercenaries. And just to give you an idea, Uh, Yevgeny Prigozhin doesn't deserve any of your sympathy. And I mean none. This guy was a brute. This guy was, oh my goodness, so brutal in his torture and the way he treated people. As a matter of fact, there were stories of he and his other mercenaries beating people to death with a sledgehammer and then selling sledgehammers online to show of that brutality and celebrate that brutality. And people in Russia 
bought these toy sledgehammers to signify the brutality of the Wagner mercenary group. So, Yevgeny Prigozhin, rest in peace. Don't know if there's going to be a lot of peace on that side with what you did on this side, but there is no sympathy for Prigozhin, but not a surprise at all that Vladimir Putin took him out because Prigozhin tried to form a mini coup on Vladimir Putin and the Russian government. And although it looked like Vladimir Putin was going to forgive him and give him exile in Belarus, that everybody pretty much, including me, knew it was only a matter of time. And that time was two months. Two months after that mini coup uh, uh, took place towards Vladimir Putin and Moscow, Yevgeny Prigozhin is dead. All right, my thoughts really quickly on the GOP debate. Uh, There were not a lot of standouts. Um, I wanted more. Uh, Yes, Vivek Ramaswamy was obnoxious. He was kind of like a mini Trump. And honestly, I'm still doing some research on him and this supposed money he took from the Soros group. Um, Like I said, I'm not going to say anything definitively. Uh, I like some of the ideas that he said, and and he seems to have, you know, a lot on the ball and very smart and a very quick thinker, very silver-tongued, as many politicians are. But he already sounds like a weathered politician. Um, Rick or Ron DeSantis, I thought, did okay. I I think he could have spoke up more. Um, Nikki Haley, I thought, had some really powerful moments, especially when she went after um, Mike Pence and uh, a little bit about uh, Ramaswamy, but she was very powerful. She's obviously very knowledgeable and has a lot of experience with foreign politics, and especially with her work in the UN. I think that probably gave her the most experience. And she was also the governor of South Carolina. So, you know, she's got a lot of experience leading. So she's, she sounded really good. I, I don't even, Doug Burgum and um, Asa Hutchins, what were you doing there? honestly. And why are you guys even going to go to the next debate? You contributed hardly anything. And there was nothing that pushed your numbers higher as far as I saw after that debate. The real winner of this debate was Donald Trump. (laughs) It honestly was. He was smart to sit this one out. Uh, Had he been there, it would have been all focused on attacking him. And I I am glad he didn't show up because I wanted to hear at least some of the ideas of these other candidates. And me and uh, my mother and a bunch of other people definitely disagree. Um, Mike Pence, I don't have any respect for that guy anymore. Completely. I, I, I believe that he grandstanded on January 6th. I believe he had the authority as the president of the Senate. In that final count, he could have sent it back to the states and had a recount on some states that were questionable. He says, I didn't have the constitutional authority to do that. That's not true. It's absolutely not true. We, ought, we can question our elections. We're supposed to question our elections when we see that they counted unfairly or um, to- uh, tallied or there's interference, undue pressure at polling places. I mean, all these different things that would contribute to questioning that election. And... There, like I said, if you go read that Time Magazine article with um, Mark Elias and the group that he formed that went out there and changed election laws and processes in these swing states 
and they did it unconstitutionally. The reason why it's unconstitutionally, every law, whether it be state or federal, has to be made by the legislative branch only. They are the only branch constitutionally allowed to make or change laws. And yet Mark Elias and his group did it with Secretary of State's and Attorneys General right before the 2020 election. Huh, wonder why they did that. All right, and then briefly, again, briefly, this, <laughs> I am so sick of covering this because it just makes my blood boil. Two years ago on Saturday was the two-year anniversary of the most moronic, asinine, idiotic, insensitive, and I believe evil withdrawals from a country in U.S. history. Of course, I'm talking about the withdrawal of American citizens from Afghanistan. Resulted in 13 servicemen and women being killed by a suicide bomber. The suicide bomber could have been killed before they set off their vest. This is now proven. And there were plans to hit ISIS-K before this event was even to happen. We had ways of preventing what was happening. And all of the military generals and advisors told Joe Biden, do not close Bagram Air Base first. Let Bagram Air Base stay open and let it be a safe place to evacuate U.S. citizens from Afghanistan. No, Joe Biden says, close it down. Take all the military out. Open up the prison. Let everybody all go to the unsecure, one active runway airport in the middle of Kabul. Yeah, that's really smart. And like I said, was done on purpose. And I will never forget watching the video of Joe Biden checking his watch 13 times that day those coffins were unloaded off the C-30 into vans that were going to go to separate memorials around the country. I will also never forget or forgive John Kirby for saying it was a fantastic withdrawal, very successful. And then do not forget Joe Biden lying to Gold Star families saying that he knew how they felt because Bo Biden was also brought home from Iraq in a flag-draped coffin. A 100% bold-faced lie as Joe and Joe Biden got to stand next to the bed of Bo Biden when he died of cancer after he came home from his deployment, years after he came home from his deployment. So again, Joe Biden needs it all to be focused on him. I know you're suffering. I know you just lost your son. Oh, and I'm sure your grief is horrible. But, but I, I know how you feel. I, I deserve sympathy too. You know, my, my son Bo came, came home from Iraq with, with a flag-draped coffin too. I know. I, I, I deserve the same sympathy as you do. I, I just cannot take this anymore. Joe Biden wants everything to be about Joe Biden and no one else. Okay, and lastly, I want to talk really quickly about how I believe there's a cultural shift finally happening, happening in our country. You heard the words to the song, Jason Aldean song, Try That in a Small Town. Well, right now, this guy, Oliver Anthony, just standing in the middle of a field with a specialized guitar, singing his heart out in a song called Rich Men from Richmond. And it is taking the country by storm. Over 20 million 
downloads. He's never made a record. He's never written other, well, he's probably written other songs, but he's never performed any other songs. Many record companies have offered him multi-million dollar record deals, and he's turned them down. And I, from what I understand, he's making like $40,000 a day because so many people are downloading that song. And if you haven't heard the song, I'll play just a little bit of it for you. Do me a favor and go online and watch all the reaction videos to this song. This song is striking a chord because it talks about how the government is treating the average American person. The hardworking people of this country are being downtrodden and all of the metropolitan areas and big cities are setting all of the regulations and rules. And it's hurting small businesses in small towns. And a lot of these new voices are coming out. Well, Jason Aldean's not new, uh, but this song is, uh, Try That in a Small Town. And then look at the success of the movie Sound of Freedom, done by Angel Studios. Okay, they're a faith-based studio. And the movie will literally wreck you if you go see it. It's that good. And it's... So important that everybody go see it. And finally, it really does look like we're finally reaching a tipping point in our country. And especially now we're hearing, oh, goodness gracious, mask mandates and vaccine mandates may be coming back. Good luck. Good luck with that. And especially if you go after the children, you, there will be hell to pay. Because we all know 100%. This had no effect on the children. None. To children, COVID was a cold. That's it. It was not deadly. Everybody says, well, it killed like four, five, six hundred children. No. Those children died because of another morbidity, comorbidity that they were working with, either diabetes, morbid obesity, uh, major lung problems, cancer, all the different things, and the COVID just happened to be a part of it. The, peop the kids that were healthy weren't in danger, even one iota. And having children wear masks hurt their development so severely. Some children are having to be taught to smile because they've never seen a smile before. They've been wearing masks since they were too young to understand what was going on. So I promise you this. If you try and do the mask and vaccine mandates again, absolutely not over my dead body. I'm in my mid-50s and I'm not worried at all. I think I may have caught COVID. I don't know. I, had, I, was, I worked in a very cold atmosphere uh, a few months ago and, and let, being the gentleman I am, let uh, a female person I was working with wear my jacket uh, all the time to stay warm. 
And I got cold and woke up the next morning with a really severe cold. And I don't know, I haven't had colds because I don't get colds. I'm super healthy. I do a green drink every morning. I take multivitamins. I am super, super healthy. So I will not, under any circumstances, take the shot or wear a mask. The only time I will wear a mask is if I'm working with a customer in my new job and they insist on it for their feeling of security. And I'll, then I'll be glad to do that. And I'll have a mask in my drawer for that. But otherwise, I'm burning all my other masks. I had designer masks and fun masks, you know, that I wore all the time when I was working my other job. And people thought it was really fun. And I became well known for my one Guy Fox mask. Uh, because it was just like, you know, if you're going to wear me, make me wear a mask, it's going to be a Guy Fox mask. And for those who don't know who Guy Fox is, look it up. If you saw V for Vendetta, that was a movie of basically about the rebellion that he oversaw in the 1800s. So, or 1700s. I don't, I can't remember exactly when it was, but if you, the, the words, uh, to Guy Fox Memorial, I remember, remember the 5th of November of gunpowder, toil, and plot. Uh, something, something, the day will never be forgot. Anyway, but Guy Fox, you know, was a rebel. And so when I wear my mask, especially when I was working the job I was working, I would wear that Guy Fox mask and I became kind of famous for wearing that. But I promise you this, no, absolutely not. I will not be wearing masks and I will not get vaccinated. If my new job requires vaccination, I go find another job. I am so against. I do not trust the media. I do not trust the medical profession. I do not trust politicians at all. And I see them all as equally untrustworthy. And just to let you know where this could go. If we allow it to, and I'm telling you right now, do not allow them to do it. In Canada recently, a woman by the name of Sheila Lewis spoke to the National Citizens Inquiry. Uh, and this was, I believe, one of the last speeches before she died. And yes, she could have been saved. But Canada has a rule now if you are unvaccinated, you cannot get a life-saving transplant. Listen to what she says here. There's no reason why they can't give me the transplant. There's none. I have natural immunity, very high levels of natural immunity. As I stated, there's no reason why they can't. Natural immunity is much better than any vaccine ever out there. So... There's no, to me, and it's just my opinion only, there's no other reason. And everybody has stated, scientists, there's doctors that stated in courts, there's, you know, the, uh, the doctor that does the testing for the, for uh, natural immunity, they've all stated, I cannot have this vaccine. So what's stopping them? Your guess is good as mine. But there's something evil in this world, or in this country even, that's happening. And I'm going to plead with you, please, please, for the love of God, give people their transplants. They're not asking for anything else. They just want the gift of life. If it's there and it's possible, please give it. 
I don't want to die. I have no words <laughs> that can even describe the rage that I feel. Canada, shame on you. Shame on your government. Shame on the Marxists. Shame on Trudeau, Justin Trudeau, who is the spitting image of his uh, possible father, <laughs> the uh, dictator of Cuba, father, Mr. Fidel Castro. Yes, there are the rumors that uh, Justin's mother had an affair and he's the illegitimate child of Fidel Castro. If you look at them pictures when they're both young, they look identical. Anyway, that's a conspiracy theory. I'll just throw that out there. I don't know for sure that that's true, but it makes sense because also Justin Trudeau was trained in the World Economic Forum and is one of Klaus Schwab's protégés. Again, shame on you, Canadian medical professionals. Anyone that went along with this and allowed this woman to die, and yes, when she said, I don't want to die, she did. She knew she was going to die. How would you like that? If you knew there was an organ that could save your life, but you were forced to take a shot you were recommended not to get from your doctors because you already had natural immunity for the vaccine or for the virus the vaccine was for, and you know that there's a good possibility there could be complications with that vaccine. What would you do? This woman, you know, appealed to this group of individuals and literally said at the end, I don't want to die. But she knew she was going to because Canada, in their asinine selfishness and their brainwashed idiots, tried to force her to get the vaccine to prove a point and allowed her to die to prove that point. Shame on you. Okay, before I go to my positive message, I didn't do something last week I said I was going to start doing. Uh, just, you know, I get these podcasts, I rattle them off, I do the editing, and then I post them. And I sometimes don't have a chance to listen to them until after I posted them and realize, oops, I forgot this, and oops, I forgot that. Remember, I said I was going to start ending with a couple of questions that I want people to interact from. So here's my first question. Who do you think did the best in the GOP debate? If you watched it, if you didn't, that's fine. You can go find it on, on YouTube or online in other places that's available all over the place. But listen to the whole debate and tell me who you think won that debate. Oh, and I know I didn't get to the uh, oil and gas and coals providing 84% of our world's energy and our push towards renewables. I'm going to get that next podcast because I want to spend a lot more time and do a lot more detail on that. So just bear with me as I figure out how to do all this stuff. Okay, the positive note I'm going to say, and I'm just going to leave that one question. I, I can't figure out a second one to do right now. But the positive note today is kind of a funny comedy routine I listen to that shows how out of touch everybody is when they say, follow the science, or we believe the science, and science is absolute, all that. <laughs> this guy in this, I can't remember the comedian, it just, it was, it went through my feeds and I, I watched it, laughed, and then moved on, but I can't remember who it was, and I, I have trouble, I can't find it now, but basically this comedian mentioned the song, do you know the song from, uh, Beaches. 
that uh, Bette Midler sings, You Are the Wind Beneath My Wings. That's not real science. I don't know if you guys know this or not, but the accurate version of the song, if it were to be about lifting you up, is actually, the title should be, You Are the Wind Above My Wings. Planes are pulled up into the sky. They are not pushed up into the sky. That's how aerodynamics works. So just think of that funny little antidote and say, you are the wind above my wings. <laughs> and, and whenever someone sings wind beneath my wings, just call them on it. Say, no, that's not science. Real science is the wind above the wings and it pulls the plane up. Okay. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed this podcast as much as I did talking about these things. I love doing these podcasts. I'm really getting addicted to doing this. And hopefully, maybe I can start a radio show or something where I can do this on a more regular basis. But for right now, I'm starting a new job and I'm going to be busy Monday through Friday now. So now these podcasts are going to be put out on Sunday night. So this week, you'll get a little shorter uh, time before the next podcast comes out. But I'll be working on these podcasts now every Saturday and Sunday, whereas before it was Sunday and Monday. That's why it was all these podcasts were released on Monday. Actually, I think I'll probably just still release them on Monday. I'll just put it in the uh, queue to upload at a certain time on Monday morning. But I'll finish these podcasts on Sunday night. So you'll probably get some overlap where I talk about something that's this day, talking about the news of the day, and it was actually news of the Sunday. So just prepare 